Hello and welcome to another episode of Healing Through Pain, a podcast dedicated to the mission of walking people towards healing and health. In each new episode, we will discuss how to show up well for the responsibilities and opportunities that life sends our way. Here is your host, Stephanie West, a licensed practicing counselor in the state of Michigan, a teacher, and a professor who lives her life at the intersection of mental health and education. Thanks so much for following along. So to begin with today, I'd like to go back to an analogy that I've used with you before about a white truck and how it relates to our brains. And so we've had this discussion about when we've made a decision, our brain will seek out support for that decision. And so if I've gifted you a white truck and I've said, you know what, it's going to be top of the line, it's going to be a 2022, fully decked out with all of the things, whatever, you know, truck things entail, would you like a Ford or a Chevy or a Dodge? And you say to me, I'd really like a white Ford truck. So you're gifted this white Ford truck and it's it's exciting because it's precisely what you wanted. Over over the next couple of weeks, over the next couple of months, and maybe even over the next year or two, as you hear information about how spectacular Fords are, so you hear that they're good on gas mileage, you hear that they are good for long road trips, they're comfortable, you hear that they've got great tow packages, all of these things. As you hear this, you get this little self-satisfied smug and you're like, well, of course that's true. That's why I wanted a Ford. Fords are awesome. And then you also have this second thing running in tandem where the brain starts to seek out other information that validates your idea by dismantling the opposition. And so you start to hear little inputs about how Dodges are less than dependable or Chevys have bad fuel economy or perhaps transmission spontaneously combust on a Dodge. And so as you're hearing this, your brain gathers that as further validation that your choice of Ford was true. But it all started with the choice that you made that Fords are the best, that Ford is best for you at least. And our brains are so good. Now, one of the things we can say is our brains are really efficient. We decide on something and then the brain streamlines the process of validating or confirming what we want to be true. We also have to understand that our brains are actually quite lazy. They're not going to work against us. They're going to work for us. And so once we've decided on something, they just go out and they operate as though it's true. One of the ways I've started to learn how lazy my brain actually is, is I watch my behavior. And before I understand it, I start to at least observe it. And so I watch my responses to things. I watch my intensity to my responses to things. I note things that are peculiar. I look for patterns. And usually when I do that, I can find things that my brain is doing on autopilot that maybe is happening unintentionally. It's happening beneath my awareness. And it might sound kind of hokey. It might sound like something unfamiliar to you. But that's why in a lot of therapy work, we tend to focus on thought patterns and on watching your behaviors to observe what your thought patterns are. Because something goes on under the surface that runs our actions and it starts with our thoughts. And so if we're running with some distorted thinking or we're running with some protected thinking, often we're making decisions and we're responding to things without even intentionally responding. We are just on autopilot doing the things that we think are best for us. And so there tends to be three areas where there's probably some automatic responses running that 
maybe are doing it even without our permission. So what happens is we have belief systems and we have belief systems about ourselves. We have belief systems about other people and we have belief systems about the world around us. And one of the things that makes me actually really, really good at my job as a therapist is my brain actually thinks in a systems way. So I'm able to take, you know, two or three disjointed narratives and I'm usually able to find a pattern in that pretty quickly and then put it forward to the client and say, you know, I'm wondering if this is something that might be going on there because I'm noticing that in in story A and in story B and in story C, we have the similarity running. So I was working with a client last week and he was talking about an anecdote from 1996 and he was talking about an anecdote from about 2002 and then another anecdote from about 2020. And I looked at him and I said, you've got a real problem with authority. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I said, well, in every one of those stories, someone above you made a decision and you pushed back against them. Something's running for you about your belief in other people's authority or your confidence in other people's authority. And you and I are going to have to dive into that and figure out what's going on there because I think you're making behaviors based on some assumptions that are running because we all have beliefs about ourselves, we all have beliefs about others, and we have beliefs about the world around us. And once we can pinpoint what those beliefs are, often we can actually look for counter evidence and we can disrupt some of those beliefs and we can walk towards emotional wellness and behavioral wellness because we understand cognitively what's going on. And so let's talk first about there's a belief system about yourself in place. So based on your belief system, maybe you're operating this world with a lot of confidence or maybe you're navigating this world with a lot of self-doubt, but you don't understand that it's going on beneath the surface necessarily. At your core, you're believing something about yourself. Let's say you do believe you're capable at your core. You believe that you have value. You have purpose. Your brain then seeks out validation or verification that you add value, that you have purpose. And you move through life living that out confidently and with purpose and with resolve. But if the opposite is true, if at your core you don't believe you have value, then your brain is tracking and finding that evidence to support your hypothesis. And slight evidences might show up. So let's say I imagine I'm not very valuable and then someone doesn't invite me to a party and I feel overlooked and it validates the fact that I already have this core belief that I'm not valued and this new slight is added evidence. And so I have to self-soothe or I withdraw or I lash out or I do something in response because under the surface, there's a belief system running. And so let's say we do have doubt about ourselves at our core. That would permeate so many parts of our story and we really would be letting that run under our awareness. And when we start to track through the belief systems we're holding and, and we work on disrupting them, really profound things can happen in our lives. So some of the common stories that people believe about themselves. So I'm not good enough or I'm not as good as others. Some people believe my best is not enough. Others will always be better than me. I'm unacceptable. I'm not worth seeing. I'm not worth hearing. I'm not desirable. When we believe these things, there's only a certain amount of responses that can happen. For some people, they end up giving up on themselves. They kind of live a life of passivity. They don't bother trying because what's the point? Other people are always going to be better. I'm not valued anyway. It just doesn't matter. Sometimes people engage in what's called reaction formation, where they do the exact opposite of what they want to be true about their life because what does it matter anyway? And then we have people, and admittedly, I probably fall into this category more than either of the others. We have those who engage in overcompensation, where we have these perceived deficits, and so we overcompensate in other ways. So theoretically, someone feels that they're not valued or not attractive, and so they overcompensate by going and getting really academically smart. So they're saying, well, you know, I might not be attractive, but at least I'm intelligent. Or I might not be funny, but at least I'm helpful. I might not have a good personality, but at least I'm a hard worker. And so we have this 
this overcompensation that shows up, but the catalyst for overcompensation is this core belief that's driving us. If we can adjust the core belief, we can adjust the need for overcompensation. We can adjust the need for reaction formation. We can have people re-engage instead of those who have given up on themselves. Then we run into the second category. What do you believe about others? And this, this is such an interesting space. I've had to do a lot of work to dismantle belief systems that showed up probably in my story around ages four and five and six, things that just were entrenched in my belief system. And again, they run under the surface. I didn't realize they were running. And a lot of my client stories, some of them just kind of have this pervasive feeling that others are out to get them. And if that's their hypothesis, their brain goes out and seeks out information that others are out to get them. People cannot be trusted. If that's your story, you're going to probably engage in some hyper-independence. You're not going to ask for help. You're going to be very closed off in private. Some might engage in the understanding that all blank are predators. So all men are predators. All women are predators. All men are manipulative. All women are manipulative. All people in authority are X, Y, and Z. So they make some sort of grand declarative and take a big group of people and and chunk them all together and believe that to be true. Even though there's probably exceptions all over the place about that theory, their brain tracks specifically towards the evidence that supports their point of view. If you believe that people are basically evil, you're going to engage the world a certain way. You're going to close yourself off. If you operate with the opposite idea, people are basically good. And I will tell you, this is something I have to work on with a lot of clients, the naivety that people are generally good. The reality is human nature is human nature. And there are many people who have nefarious intent. And there are many people who are neutral. And there are many people who are good, but they all exist. So if you believe that people are basically good, you're going to open yourself up to a world of potential struggle because it's an over generous belief about the world around you. If you're running into the idea that others are selfish or no one is interested in helping me, your behaviors will respond accordingly. I'm not going to ask for help. I'm not going to put myself out there. I'm not going to be vulnerable. And so when these belief systems run, we have defense mechanisms that show up. We have defensive strategies that show up. We work on self-protection. We make that a priority. Often we engage in secretive or privacy behaviors. And now look, privacy can be a good thing. It's a boundary, but it's also a really interesting way of keeping people out of your life, often because there's a trust issue that shows up. And then we have belief systems about the world around us and beliefs about how we should engage the world around us. And some of the core ones that show up in counseling that can be, you know, categorically pretty difficult is there is one right path to take and the world is black and white or it's right or it's wrong. Or I have to do specific cultural milestones on some sort of timeline. So I have to get married at a certain age. I have to go to school or I have to have a career by a certain time or I have to make certain amounts of money by this age or I have to have kids by a particular age. And it goes on and on and on because we've superimposed certain expectations on ourselves that while they might be culturally normative, we don't have to hold them true for our own life, but we would have to disrupt it if that's what's going on subconsciously for us. For some people, admitting failure means that they're weak, so they have to go through this world being strong in all things, which is exhausting, but that could be something, if it's running for them, where there's a a chance for us to disrupt that narrative. For some people, if I do the right thing, good things will happen. If I do the wrong thing, bad things will happen. This is classic OCD thinking. This is going to lead to ritualistic behavior. This is going to lead to really distorted inputs, potentially, or over-preparedness or overcompensation just to try to get the right output. So it's kind of a distortion of I influence things versus I control things. That type of thinking would lead to us thinking we can control outcomes, which is not accurate, so we would have to disrupt that. And it's one of those things where we spend a lot of time understanding what's currently going on in our thinking, and then we have to work on disrupting it. So if these things are true about the world around me, or I perceive them to be true, 
true about the world around me, it might be really difficult for me to make a decision. I might be engaging in avoidant behaviors. I might be engaging in ritualistic behaviors that aren't for my good. They're just things that I do to try to make sure that, you know, karma comes out on my side. And and I'm not saying that facetiously. I'm just saying that's a distortion that runs. So when we find the patterns, we can look for the counter evidence. We can dispel things, but usually you have to name it first. One of the things we say, I think it's, um, it is from Carl Jung where he says, name it to tame it, meaning you have to bring it into your awareness and notice how it's monopolizing time and energy and effort and resources, or you're not going to really see a need to change it. And that is why we watch ourselves, but that's also why we invite others in. Other people's eyes on our life can be so helpful. And again, I am one of those people that I'm gifted at patterned thinking. I'm gifted at identifying systems. I'm gifted at looking at those behaviors and noticing trends. And I invite people into my life to help as well. But over time, I've also been able to grow in strength of seeing these patterns show up in my life. And once they show up, it is so profoundly incredible to see how much can change once we name it, how much can change once we bring it into our awareness and then start to look for counter evidence. It is one of the coolest pieces of emotional wellness that can happen. It is something where I would encourage you again, look for a therapist, look for someone not who's just affirming, not someone who just listens to your story and dives into your history, but someone who intentionally focuses on your thought patterns, someone who intentionally focuses on your behaviors are being driven by your thought patterns, and someone who believes in your ability to change. Because once we disrupt some of these systems of thinking, once we disrupt some of these narratives, really profound things can change in your story. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen. Please share this content with friends and family. Feel free to connect with Stephanie at healingthroughpain21 at gmail.com. Until next time, be well.